Hello, you're listening to the Let's Talk Future podcast series presented by Oppenheimer. If you're interested in the economy, markets, and investing in general, you've come to the right place. This series was created to fascinate and enlighten every type of investor. Curious about the latest consumer trends? How about innovations in healthcare or technology? The Let's Talk Future series definitely has you covered. Through timely and relevant conversations, we deliver the best thought leadership in the financial services industry. Our renowned hosts and guests explore big questions and big ideas and leave you with actionable insights. In this episode, our guests are Oppenheimer analysts Rupesh Parikh, Tyler Batori, and Brian Nagel. And our host is Joan Corey, Managing Director and Chief Marketing Officer. This episode was recorded on June 16, 2022. Thank you for joining us. On this edition of our Let's Talk Future podcast, we're discussing the themes that emerged from our 22nd Annual Consumer Products Conference. This conference was particularly timely given the confluence of events that are affecting consumers in how they shop, what they're shopping for, how they play, and how they travel. This conference assembled the value creators in the consumer products, retail, lodging and leisure, and restaurant sectors, and tackled the tough questions around inflation, consumer spending, and how companies and consumers are battling numerous headwinds, such as inflation hitting a 40-year high, continued supply chain disruptions, low unemployment coupled with high strong wage growth, high gas prices, and mortgage rates on the rise. And yet, this is when companies and consumers figure it out because they must navigate and manage their respective balance sheets. Brands are managing through a shifting backdrop and utilizing levers such as digital technologies, product mix shifts, and pricing to effectively navigate current market choppiness and position for improved productivity and profitability long-term. A profile is emerging. A consumer who is shopping, yet not that happy about it, as evidenced by low sentiment numbers. A consumer who is shifting their budgets to services with an uptick in hospitality and ready to travel and experience the world. In this conversation, we'll cover four key topics. The current health of the consumer, the potential of a recession, inflation, and what does a post-pandemic environment look like? Today, I'm joined with three of our esteemed Oppenheimer analysts, Rupesh Parikh, CFA, Managing Director and Senior Analyst in our food, grocery and consumer product sector. Tyler Batori, Executive Director in our lodging, leisure and residential real estate. And Brian Nagel, CFA and Managing Director and Senior Analyst in our consumer growth and e-commerce sectors. Welcome, gentlemen. Let's start with talking about the current health in each of your different sectors. So Tyler, can you give us a little color on the lodging business? Sure. Well, first off, thank you for, for having us today. I think this is, a, this is a great place to start. You know, when you look at the lodging industry broadly, the good news is that we're back. And what I mean is revenue as measured by occupancy and rate, it's recovered to where we were before COVID and then some, which is really remarkable when you consider at the depths of the pandemic revenue figures for the hotel industry, you were down upwards of 90%. It was really unprecedented in terms of what was occurring for the industry. So it's good, obviously, that we've gone back and above to where we were pre-COVID, but there's a pretty clear bifurcation here within the industry. On one hand, you have leisure travel, 
So people traveling for fun to resort locations, beaches, et cetera. Um, in some instances, that's up 30%, even 40% above where it was pre-pandemic from a revenue perspective. There's a tremendous amount of demand out there and a lot of pricing power in terms of folks wanting to get out and be on vacation. And that's really what has been driving the bus in terms of the overall recovery. And on the other side, you have corporate travel, which while improving, generally speaking, still down with where it was before the pandemic. And I think as we'll get into with this discussion, uh, certainly room for, for growth there. So holistically, when you look at the industry, I would characterize the business right now as, as healthy, just given we've seen clear progress in terms of recovery with no signs in terms of slowdown in that trajectory yet. Thank you for that distinction on the different kinds of segments, even within travel and leisure. So Brian, over to you a little bit on the health of the overall consumer. Look, it's, I mean, it's, it's interesting. I, you know, from what I can see right now and talking to my companies and, and reading data, the, the consumer, broadly speaking, remains quite healthy. The only places, and I, I think, you know, again, I'm reflect most of the conversations I have with my the companies in my consumer growth and e-commerce coverage universe, you know, we are maybe seeing some, some indications of weaker spending at lower income, but even that's questionable because a lot of this is happening on top of really difficult government stimulus funded comparisons from last year. So but overall, look, I, you know, as we look at it right now, as we look at, as we measure the health of the consumer, I said that right now the, the consumer remains quite healthy. That's good news. Rupesh, add to that. Yeah, I, I agree broadly with what Brian's saying. I think overall the consumer is quite strong. Uh, the low end part of my consumer universe, so if you look at like the Dollar General, Walmart, or World, they are seeing some weakness there. So DG has called in, you know, these, these consumers are trading down at private label in some cases. But then at the same time, on the other end of the spectrum, Kroger, Costco continue to see strong sales of premium products. So I, I think it really matters in terms of what part of the consumer universe we're talking about. But that middle to high income consumer being strong, and we're starting to see some signs of weakness for the lower end consumer. And in the in the lower end, are you what kind of shift in behavior and product purchase are you seeing? Yeah, so a great example is private label. So you know, instead of buying you know branded bacon, you may buy private label bacon. You know, buying more store brands out there. So you're seeing that. And I would say the other dynamic is if you're the lower income Walmart consumer, now that food inflation is so high, that's taking a big portion of your budget. So now you're shifting dollars to food versus discretionary. So the general merchandise categories are, are starting to get hit at Walmart. That's interesting. So let's shift into sort of the, the topic area of potential recession. And all of you may have sort of a different view of that right now. I'd love to sort of see how you're reading it. Tyler, let's start again with you. Um, clearly in in travel and leisure, how do you th- see a potential recession affecting your sector? Very timely question. And first, the point I'll make initially here, you know, and this is coming from speaking with all of our companies. This is coming from being on the road traveling. This is coming from data that we're getting from the lodging industry. There's no tangible slowdown in the lodging business. We haven't seen any indication that things are slowing down. If anything, things are actually getting better in terms of demands out there, people being on the road, people staying in hotels. And what's interesting is typically in history, if there is a recession, lodging is actually a leading indicator, typically moves ahead of what goes on uh, with the broader growth backdrop. It's a fairly volatile industry. And again, so far we haven't seen anything. Could that change in the near future? It's possible, but again, just using history as a guide 
it's typically corporate travel that gets hit the most. The leisure side of things, people still want to go on vacation. They still want to take a trip. Maybe they trade down a little bit, but there's still a high propensity to be out there and traveling places with your family. It's really the corporate side of things where they want to pull back and save money on the bottom line. And typically it's the travel aspect of things that's fairly easy to cut. But as I mentioned before, corporate travel right now, you're still not anywhere near where you were in terms of normal levels. So there really isn't a whole lot to cut. There really isn't a whole lot to pull back on. And there's also, we continue to hear this, a tremendous amount of pent up demand in terms of companies that haven't done meetings in several years, salespeople that haven't met clients in person in several years. So that's a counterbalancing dynamic out there that you know, I think is really contributing and should contribute to some continued strong demand, even if the broader environment gets worse. So you, know, you kind of look at where things are. Our view is even if the macro backdrop does get a little bit more challenging from here, our perspective is that there is enough pent up demand on the corporate side of things. And then you should be pretty resilient on the leisure side of things that, you know, the industry lodging specifically, there is an opportunity here for, for continued growth in the next couple of years. That's great. And if you've been traveling lately, you can, can see how busy the roads are, the airports are. It definitely proves out when I've been doing a little bit of traveling. And, and I guess, too, with the pandemic, we learned to do corporate meetings differently also. So that that's sort of a different factor that you didn't have to analyze before now. Yes, no, it's true. And and, and look, it, it's, you know, people talk about the Zoom impact and, and whatnot. I mean, I think right now, uh, you hear from a lot of people, and perhaps this could be anecdotal, but um, you know, there's a lot of Zoom fatigue that's out there. I think a lot of people are, are kind of tired of doing these sorts of meetings virtual, and I think they want to connect with people, you know, as someone who's been at conferences fairly recently over the past couple of months, reconnecting with lots of colleagues and industry contacts, pretty much across the board, everybody says the same thing, which is, hey, it's, it's so great to be able to see you in person. It's so great to be able to shake your hand, to be able to sit down and really do it like we were doing things before. So I think that dynamic is certainly in play here. And, and again, there are plenty of instances in the business world where you know, people haven't done in-person meetings in, in, more than, in more than two years. And it's really something that's, that's necessary to move your business forward. Yeah, people will, will get back to it. So Brian, talk to us a little bit about your view of are we in a recession and sort of what that means? I, I look, I, I'm obviously looking at a different portion of the consumer economy than Tyler, but I, I agree with what Tyler's saying. I mean, if I look at my, my companies, you know, and, and some of these, the, the companies I follow now have been around for a long time, very well established, you know, whether it be the home improvement names, the auto part names, et cetera. We're not seeing if those companies are entrenched in those companies is, is the typical telltale signs of recession, of some marked slowdown in economic activity or consumer spending. So it doesn't mean it's not coming. Right now, we're just, we're not seeing it. You know, and I, I get it. Um, you know, there's a lot of chatter out there, you know, a lot of talk. I mean, some people have taken, you know, as, as, you know, as a foregone conclusion that the economy is heading towards some slowdown. But as I study my companies and I talk to the leaders of these companies, it's just not happening at this moment. That's good news. That's really good. So Rupesh, give us your view. Yeah, so if you do see a recessionary environment, my companies are more defensive, so they, they tend to benefit. So you look at a dollar general, they tend to see more people trade into their stores so that, you know, let's say that customer that's making maybe 50,000, they may start to shop dollar general more. So a little benefit there. And other players like BJ's Wholesale Club, you may see that higher income consumer go more into store to buy groceries and store, instead of going to restaurants. So I think some might defensive retailers could benefit in a recessionary scenario. 
And on the other side, on the staple side, you know, companies like Church and Dwight, they do offer staple products like laundry detergent, more on the value side. So those suppliers like cater more to value-oriented purchases, I think they could benefit as well. So I think in general, my companies will hold up better, just given, generally speaking, the staple-like characteristics and because we still all have to eat. But I would say at this point, you know, I'd concur with Brian. I mean, you know, I, I don't think we're not in that recession scenario right now. Outside that lower income consumer changing behavior, middle to higher income consumers continue to buy premium products. And there's really no broad best base signs of a, of a real pullback in spending. Well, that'll take us into the next topic, which is inflation. So we are at a 40-year high. What we just heard from from each of you is it's not really showing yet too much. It is definitely present. So let's dissect how it is affecting each of your respective areas. And Tyler, I'm going to start again with you. Just walk us through this inflationary period and how it is affecting travel and leisure. Sure. Uh, So the bad news first. Um, when you look at wage inflation at hotels, you're up anywhere 15%, in some instances, 20% in terms of what you're paying employees now versus a couple of years ago. Pretty much every other line item in your cost structure is also up most in the double digits. And that's whether it's food or material costs, you're really seeing it everywhere. The good news is there's offsets to that. You know, I mentioned the strong demand in the industry that's giving hotels pricing power. So essentially they are able to pass along some of the higher costs to consumers fairly easily. The industry did not discount at all during the pandemic. So your rates are starting from a higher point as this demand has come back. That's a good thing. And then there's a number of operational changes that have been made at the property level. One of the lessons from the pandemic at a lot of hotels was trying to get the most out of your labor force, trying to do more with less. So if you look at the number of employees that are working at a lot of hotels right now, it's down substantially with where it was pre-COVID. And that's not really something that's gonna change. They don't really need to hire back as many employees to really get back to full staffing levels. Obviously you wanna be cognizant of the guest experience. There are instances where there are properties that would like to get more employees and, and they can't just given where they're located, small labor pool, et cetera. But you, know, you look at the business overall and the operations on the labor front have changed substantially. And that really gives giving them um, you know, room to adjust the model. So even though wages are up so much, um, you know, the impact of the bottom line really is not that significant at all. And you're, you are seeing substantial margin growth across the industry. And again, some of these leisure resort hotels, um, they've never ever made more money than they're making right now, despite an environment where you know, your expense and costs are up you know, 15, 20%, which is really remarkable. So the demand side is still in check and able to pass that through. So companies are staying fairly healthy. Is that true, Brian, with your sector? Generally, yes. You know, so it's interesting when, so we've been having with, with my coverage universe, we've been having the uh, inflation discussion now for a while. And I so there's different, a few different points I can make. I mean, one, you know, and this, again, this has been a case for a while. You know, I think what we've seen with most of these leading retailers and leading brands is they have significant pricing power. You know, they're, they're, they have better systems infrastructures at their disposal now. They understand their consumers well. And so what they've been able to do strategically is, is largely pass along higher costs to consumers. And the mechanics of that is, you know, it's, it's helped to preserve margins, if not enhance, but at least preserve margins. And inflation then becomes a, a driver of 
an incremental driver of sales growth for, you know, for these retailers and brands. I mean, what we're not seeing, you know, again, this goes back to some of the comments we made in response to the other questions, but what I'm not seeing yet is any real clear indications of demand destruction as a result of price inflation. We're passionate to talk about this a bit. I mean, you know, maybe at the low end, maybe you're starting to see some, you know, at the lower end, you know, some consumers shift more spending toward necessities as opposed to discretionary. But by and large, we're not seeing it. The retailers and brands I cover continue to, I'm using the word again, strategically think about how to continue to pass along these higher costs to consumers. And they're, and they're doing it effectively. I listened to a number of the presentations and I, I heard, so I'd be interested in your view on this. Has a lot of the digitization and data been able to help companies understand quickly and respond more quickly as well on their inputs? Absolutely. I mean, it's, and I, I love making this point. I mean, you know, as I've, I've studied the consumer and retail now for, for quite some time, and it's just amazing to me how much smarter, how much more technologically advanced this sector is now. You know, so they, like I said a second ago, there are many more technology tools at, the, at their disposal. They understand their consumers much better. They're able to much more quickly adapt to changing trends. So absolutely. Much more nimble. Rupesh, you may feel this a little bit more. Give us a view of your consumer. So I think food inflation right now is a big challenge. If you look at the reading in the month of May, food inflation is up 11.9%. And as we look forward, we think you still could see, you know, potentially accelerated inflation in the coming months. And I think it starts to moderate in the, in the back half of the year. It still stays elevated, but I don't think you'll see double-digit inflation by the time we get to December. And we are already starting to see changes in consumer behavior. So you are seeing consumers buy more private label items. And in some cases, they're buying fewer units per basket just due to the higher prices. As these pressures continue to build, I think you'll see even more private label buying. And you could see consumers continue to pull back on the side of the basket as the year progresses. Yeah, you definitely can can see it. And I, and listening to a couple of, of your company's report, they were also making the point that the consumers are shopping closer to home and more frequently because they're matching more of what they need. I think the, the point was, what do I need? What do I want? And matching that more in, in what their basket looks like. Yeah, I think, I think that's correct, especially at the lower end. I would say the middle to higher income consumer, you're not seeing that type of behavior. But I would expect if, the, if you know restaurant inflation, food inflation stays this high, I think you could see that middle to higher income consumer go more into grocery stores so I could help food at home consumption versus eating out. So this is a, your crystal ball question. I guess we would consider that we really are in a post-pandemic environment. We're really in an endemic stage. But now that we're here, uh, it might be looking a little bit different than we all thought. But just describe how you sort of see coming out of the pandemic and how that will, what, what's changed that is structurally changing for good? And then what do you see as sort of like temporary that is sort of an emerging trend as we come out? So Tyler, I'll start with you. You know, I think one of the biggest changes we, we've seen, and this is something that, that's, that's fairly new, is the blend of business travel and leisure travel. So you can use the term leisure travel. So you have a lot of people that are on the road. Maybe you're going to a conference, you're doing a meeting on a Wednesday or a Thursday, but then you have the flexibility to work from home. So instead of going home on Thursday nights, you're staying in your destination. Maybe you're going to a new destination on Friday, you're working from your hotel Friday morning into Friday afternoon, and then you have a vacation essentially where you can explore wherever you are on Friday. Maybe you go home on Saturday or perhaps you stay through the weekend. And that was something that we didn't really see as much of pre-pandemic just because the policies around flexible working from home were not as entrenched as they are today. So, so that's something that's new. That's a good thing. 
in terms of demand. You know, it's interesting when you look at operations at hotels, anyone who has traveled or stayed in a hotel recently, you'll probably notice this. You know, the housekeeping policies have changed. It's no longer automatic daily housekeeping. You have to request your room to be cleaned. The food and beverage model has changed. There's a lot of grab and go instead of traditional sit down restaurants. You know, the hotels have back of office have really tried to merge roles. They have different people at the front desk, also cleaning rooms and people doing marketing and sales and working at the front desk are really combining different job types to really conserve uh, the labor side of things. So you've seen a number of changes and they're all, they're all positive. They're all good things. You know, they're well-received by guests. And at the end of the day, we've talked previously in the other question about wage growth, wage inflation, difficulty hiring employees. You know, if you have an instance in a situation right now where you're not doing daily housekeeping, guests don't want that, where you don't need uh, you know, extra waiters or, or waitresses in the restaurant because you have a grab and go offering, you know, that benefits the properties because they don't, they don't need as much staffing as they needed before. So, you know, that's a tailwind, I think, for the hotels in this sort of environment. And, you know, all the feedback that you're hearing from the hotels is that, you know, consumers and a lot of people that are traveling, they, they don't really mind these changes. And there, there is a pretty good adoption of some of the, the adjustments that the hotels have, have implemented at the operation side of things. People have definitely adapted differently coming out of, out of COVID. Brian, certain categories in your space performed really well during the pandemic. There's been a little bit of a shift. I think maybe you can explain it from goods to services. Give us a little understanding of, of how that's playing out. Yeah. So look, I, I, it's undeniable. I mean, as we're looking at spending trends now that, you know, there has been this somewhat of a normalization, you know, as, as the economy is opened back up, spending has shifted at some level back to services, exactly what, what Tyler said, right? I mean, it shifted back to services from, from purely goods. But that said, in my coverage universe, there, there were areas that benefited significantly through the pandemic, you know, in 20 and 21, the home, the home category, you know, particularly home improvement, maybe to a lesser extent, auto parts. I think we are seeing the beginnings of what's likely to remain a, a permanent shift here. Again, just dovetailing on some of Tyler's comments is that people, despite us now going back to work, you know, back to offices at some level, despite us now traveling, the at, at a minimum, people will be spending more time in their homes. So as a result of that, they're probably more interested in, so to say, continuing to enhance or maintain those homes. I think that has been a, a permanent shift here. You know, so companies like Home Depot and Lowe's will, you know, obviously they deal with a lot of different issues, but I mean, I think that's one persistent tailwind for that home improvement related category. So I want to talk for a second about, Rupesh, with you about the beauty category. Despite people staying at home, they look good when they're staying at home or they're traveling and they're looking good because you're, you're, the beauty category is also on fire and changing. So can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I would agree. The beauty category is on fire. So Ulta last quarter put up an 18% comp increase. So you're really seeing broad-based strength throughout the entire beauty category. So makeup is the last part that's recovering. So even for Ulta, makeup is now above pre-pandemic levels. So you're really seeing strength as is really part of that reopening trade as people are going out. And I'd also say for makeup, there's a lot of new innovation out there, you know, new brands at, at Ulta, you know, whether it's Fenty Beauty, Olaplex, that's driving a lot of momentum in the category. And what's really been surprising is, is, is women are spending more on makeup. They're still keeping their regimen for skincare that they, you know, started increasing spending on skincare during the pandemic. That's continued. And then fragrances have been absolutely on fire the past few years. So even while women are, were at home, they're using fragrances. And now, obviously, as you know, as people are going out, they're using fragrances as well. So you're really seeing, you know, broad-based strength throughout the beauty category. 
we remain very bullish from here. We think makeup is still in the very early innings of that recovery. We still haven't seen the full reopening activities out there. So I, I think the outlook for beauty, even in a weaker economic backdrop, could be could hold up quite well versus other sectors. So this is, will be the final category, which is just last words. If you have uh, just an insight that you thought was particularly unusual from the conference or any just words of wisdom in sort of closing. And Brian, let me start with you. Just last words. Well, it's, I mean, something's got to give. Stocks are saying one thing. The stocks universally are saying we're heading into some type of rather dramatic slowdown in recession. Companies are saying something different. So something something has to give here. I assume we'll get some type of answer to this dilemma, if you will, within the next few months. We won't persist with this dislocation. Rupesh? Yeah, I'd say for me, it's really jobs growth. So, you know, spending is really strong today. You know, jobs market is hot. The Fed is trying to slow down the economy, including the employment situation. So I think as the year progresses, that's very much what we're focused on is, is where jobs go. And if you start to see weakening on the job side, then I think you will start to see weaker consumer spending out there. And that's what we're focused on. I don't think it's a you know a summer issue. I think it's more of as you get to Q3, Q4 into next. If they succeed in slowing down the economy, then I think you will start to see weaker consumer spending more broadly. And Tyler? I think Brian hit the nail on the head. I mean, my stocks are telling you that the world is ending. Uh, the companies are telling you something different. My experience being out in the world traveling is also telling me something different. And I think right now there's no indication that the surge in leisure Demand is slowing. There's no indication that the momentum behind corporate travel is slowing either. So I think this is a business that is set up really strong into the summer and into the fall. And I do think that eventually the stocks are going to wake up to that and react appropriately. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Let's Talk Future. We know your podcast listening options are endless, so we're glad you're spending time with us. Don't miss out on our next episode. And remember to subscribe today. Join our community to expand your thoughts on business, the markets, and the dynamic forces affecting them. It's time to talk future.